Hello everyone, welcome to Sorceress. This is Nandini Krishnan and today is going to be a special podcast because uh, we do have a guest. We are going to be in conversation with the poet and writer, novelist Anupama Raju. So Anupama, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to Fountain Inc. Thank you Nandini, thank you so much. So you know you've got two collections of poetry out, nine published in 2015 and Bitter God which has just been launched, you've been having launches across cities um, and of course in between there was a see a novel and I was wondering, yes. uh, do you remember the first poem that you ever wrote? Hmm. <laughs> the, it's actually quite an embarrassing memory if you ask me, okay. uh, I, but I do remember it vividly. Uh, I must have been, I think I was 14 or 15 and uh, I wrote it by hand obviously, uh, mm. this is well before the age of laptops and everything right. um, and I wrote it uh, in my uh, notebook uh, and uh, it was a poem called Tears. 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 Okay. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it had uh, that typical, it, it tried to capture the typical teenage angst, you know. Right. And uh, I think I must have uh, showed it to my cousin and probably one um, uh, close friend of the family uh, who was like a confidant for me, you know, back then. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, uh, but the poem itself, as far as literary standards go, was pretty pathetic. <laughs> and I have, I have no idea where it is. Yeah, okay. So that was the poem, yeah. Right. You once told me you find poetry easier to write than fiction. That's it's actually the first time I've heard anyone say that. Could you elaborate? Mm. Mm. Um, well, uh, maybe because, you know, I started writing poetry. Mm-hmm. And uh, I turned to writing poetry pretty seriously in the early 2000s. And that is when I had moved to Trivandrum as well, and uh, which is where I live. Mm-hmm. And I met uh, Dr. Ayapapanikar, who uh, uh, many readers and critics may recognize, and writers, of course, may recognize as one of the foremost modernist voices of India, uh, because not only did he um, translate prolifically, but he also kind of pioneered modernist uh, poetry, both in Malayalam and in English. Mm-hmm. And he was also a, a highly regarded literary critic. Um, so I had read his essays and, uh, you know, mostly essays and not poetry so much as a student of uh, literature. And when I moved to Trivandrum, which is where he lived too back then, I got an opportunity to meet him. And then he started encouraging me to write more frequently. He also made me part of a poetry group. Um, And that's when I started writing more seriously. Uh, And poetry for me, I've always found to be a natural form of expression compared to fiction. the the sparseness of words, the uh, the ability that poetry has to say a lot using very little words, for instance, and the you know the way it pushes us to find the right metaphor, the way it uh, encourages us to chase the right image, 
um i think it 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 is it is a great mental psychological and literary uh, pursuit mm-hmm. so poetry for me has always given that um, luxury while fiction on the other hand and i've written only one novel so far so i'm still in the process of discovering that fiction on the other hand um you know gives you gives you a little more of a liberal hand and you have a broader canvas but you have to think of a plot you have to think of uh, characters you have to think of unity of uh, story and uh, uh, and a story that you know um that really kind of captures the reader's attention um so there it's a it's a very ambitious and a very tedious uh task at least for me that is how i have found it so so poetry i think i would i would always you know have a leaning towards poetry and no matter how many novels i end up writing i would always be writing poetry so that is how i see the two forms then you actually mentioned several aspects of your poetry that have really struck me uh, such as imagery and the sparseness of words particularly and i was wondering is that is there a process of uh, sort of redrafting poems or do you just let them marinate in your head and then put them down because you'd also said that usually it takes about a couple of hours of work and then you know you're done with the first draft so how much um, how much uh, what do i say how much of the poem is done with the first draft typically mm. with the first draft i would say about about 30 to 40% okay and the rest of the work happens during revisits and redrafting and the editing process mm-hmm. so uh, that would take a few months and you know i keep going back to it but sometimes you're lucky and it just happens in the first draft and you feel okay this poem is kind of complete and i'm happy with the way it has turned out right. um uh, but but that's not but that's not something that happens often mm-hmm. so usually i i revisit it i write something down i i complete the first draft and then i go back to it after a few days then i feel something is out of place or something has to go or uh, a word has to change or an image has to go uh, then i do that um and uh, yeah so that's that's what happens right um, and your fiction by which i mean your prose also has the resonance of poetry um and in the case of see a novel there were of course several poems within the novel itself So could mm-hmm. you tell me a little bit about your craft as far as the novel is concerned because you mentioned just now that you know you have to sort of think of a plot and everything would you say you're a spontaneous writer or do you plan chapters and formats ahead um no i'm very bad at planning in fact okay <laughs> uh <laughs> i'm more of a spontaneous writer definitely and uh, yeah the the ideas sit and kind of marinate in my head but the actual writing process is more spontaneous um and even even when i was writing c though i had a general plot in mind i had a general idea mm-hmm. uh, a lot of it happened organically a lot of it happened spontaneously the developing of the idea so very rarely did i sit down and 
draw out an outline and then decide okay this is how i'm going to go about it uh i i did not do that with the novel um same thing happens with poetry i don't decide beforehand this is how it should happen so i am definitely a spontaneous writer that's in fact my i i am i think that is how i am as an individual as well yeah. uh, i'm i'm quite spontaneous and quite instinctive i go by impulse i go by what i feel at the moment that's that that drives my writing as well Right. Uh, so you come from a family of musicians, uh, three generations of stalwart singers in the Malayalam and Tamil film industry. So I'm guessing you sing as well. Yes, I do. Yeah. Uh, so in what ways uh, do you think that musicality, sort of the genetic musicality, and the fact that you yourself are a singer, how does that? In what ways does that inform your poetry? Right. So evidently, music is a very important part of my life, um, mm-hmm. and music is in my blood. And I sing. I've even learnt music. Um, you know, uh, I've learnt Hindustani classical vocal mm-hmm. uh, music. Um, so even though I don't sing professionally, uh, I think when it comes to my writing, especially poetry, that the rhythm matters a lot. So that is where the music comes in. um the spoken form of it so uh once i write a poem i read it aloud to uh, to just to kind of get a sense of how it sounds right. and uh, just to see if there is a music to it and what can bring in the music so the breaking of the lines um the choice of the words and uh, how the poem begins and ends you know uh, for instance i i use repetition as a technique often mm. and i sometimes repeat words i sometimes repeat sentences i repeat lines and i think all these are part of this uh, this this uh, you know uh, quest for rhythm and music in my verse mm. perhaps that is that is how it informs my writing mm. um and i'm guessing a lot of the poets who you read as you were growing up are now friends uh, but who who were your favorite poets growing up um yeah they are my friends but i'm i'm not very young you know so <laughs> a, there aren't uh, vast age differences between the poets i admired as a novice uh, writer and uh, who are now my friends so they, many of them were were my mentors i was very fortunate to get some mm. fantastic mentors as i was writing uh, you know even even the publishing of my first book of poetry happened thanks to my mentors who have now become great friends of mine mm-hmm. uh, and my supporters so um, i i i'm always thankful to arundhati arundhati subramanian ranjit hoskote and jerry pinto so they kind of discovered my voice so to speak and it is because of them that uh, i was able to bring out my first book of poems nine mm-hmm. um from speaking tiger in association with the jahangir sabawala trust so mm-hmm. I, i'm very fortunate and over the years they've just become wonderful friends as well you know they come home they know my cat that kind of thing <laughs> okay. uh, so so uh, yeah uh, but as i was growing up i guess um, 
in let's say in my late teens or uh, early 20s uh, it was the powerful voices of uh, indian poetry who really struck me i mean i always had favorites like you know uh, sylvia plath um who i think who influenced generations of women all over the world mm. um i was shocked into kind of you know into into silence into silent admiration and a certain fierce uh, a fierce passion which was lying dormant in me came came alive when i discovered her verse it was the same kind of response i had to uh, kamala das for instance right. and i absolutely admired ak ramanujam mm-hmm. um and then uh, and then people like adil jasawala who again is a poet i admire greatly so uh, i was i i was very i was very happy to discover and read and and enjoy indian poetry the generations of indian poets you know um jeet all of them uh, mm-hmm. that entire generation and of course uh, people like uh, ranjit arundhati jerry whose poetry i also used to review even mm-hmm. before i got to know them because i used to write for the hindu literary review and i was fortunate to review some of their work as well so this is the kind of poetry i used to admire i still admire many of their works i admire poets like manjulu you know uh, even now they, they're all there on my, at my desk so i keep returning to them from okay. time to time right um, uh, you know you spoke earlier about the rhythm in your poetry and that is something i've noticed how you use repetition how you use it's almost like loops of words you know it's all like mm-hmm. uh, like you use like one uses strains of music or a particular line um mm-hmm. but you also have got very strong visual elements in your poetry and you've experimented with visual poems as well so mm-hmm. where did that come from like was it did it take you a while to build up the confidence of or did that also come naturally to you actually quite the reverse in fact in my early phase uh, of writing is when i used to do a lot of those experiments um you know experiments with form okay. um the the idea of of trying something visual mm-hmm. even though it's not really concrete poetry because that is that is called concrete but like in nine for instance you would see a poem called love mm-hmm. which uh, ends with the word drips right you know drips and the poem is kind of shaped like um, um like an inverse triangle mm-hmm. um it is kind of there to seem like something is kind of reducing and at the end of it all you have is a drop right so that was the way i shaped that poem right um and uh, that is one definite visual element i can think of which was very deliberate right. uh, even in c uh, my novel which is written in prose and poetry there is a visual element that comes in where uh, there's a sentence or there is a word which goes um like a like steps you know like a flight of stairs right. and it was meant to convey uh, a fall it was meant to convey a low uh, a kind of depth that the protagonist was 
falling into. Mm. So, um, I like to do these experiments, but not for the sake of it. Mm. Only if it absolutely makes sense, and only if I feel that it it kind of adds uh, character to what I'm writing. Mm. Um, but otherwise, I I don't have too many of those elements. Yeah. Uh, your poetry in general is extremely personal, and you know it's it, it I and not just your poetry. I would say your fiction as well, and it has this quality of looking brutally at oneself as the, as well as the narrator perhaps as the poetic persona or perhaps even as uh, the speaker herself um and they are very honest poems and obviously you know um poetry is personal so when one puts a poem out there so much of who one is is also out in the world and when did you feel ready to put them out in the world because i know that you had started writing poetry long before they were published before your poems were published even in journals so right. uh, when did you feel ready to put your work out in the world i think this happened with a certain um, maturity in terms of age as well even though i was writing and i was sta- i started writing seriously in my mid to late twenties, uh, mm-hmm. and my first uh, published poem uh, was, I think, I was already, no, I was probably twenty-seven or twenty-eight, mm-hmm. um, and that was in the little magazine, which was right. this wonderful publication, um, and uh, I think I just felt that there was something in that poem which, which, which had to. which had to capture and which had to be shared with the rest of the world yeah. uh, it was based on a family story like a legend which i wanted to put out there yeah. so it was personal but, but it was also not intensely personal mm. um and that that issue of uh, the little magazine was on the theme of ghosts yeah. so and this poem was about uh, you know the the poem was called the house of dreams and that's my first published poem that poem was about a house that did not exist anymore except that the memories were like ghosts you know haunting everybody especially me so i felt that i mean i was not responding to any theme in particular i had just sent it to uh, sent it into the magazine and i was very surprised very pleasantly surprised to see it being published by the little magazine they included it in their ghost issue which later made sense to me mm-hmm. um and my first book appeared when i was 40 right so i waited a while i was not in a hurry to bring out the book you know um a lot of people a lot of my contemporary writers a lot of them were bringing out books and uh, even though there was this longing inside me to see a book out there mm-hmm. i kind of took my time i thought i'm i shouldn't hurry uh, let let the poems be written let them age let them mature uh, mm-hmm. i'll take my time with the manuscript and that manuscript was uh, 10 years in making wow. finally it came out in 2015 I I thought okay let let things happen at the right time. I've never been in a hurry to bring out books, you know. Mm-hmm. So even my second book took 5 years to write. Okay. Uh, I started writing it in 2017 and it came out in 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, so not even 5 years more than that. So 
no, five years. Five years. So yeah. <laughs> uh, only bitter good. In fact, didn't uh, there, there's not much of a gap between my last and uh, bitter good. Uh, about two years or one and a half years later, the book was out. That's because I was always writing the poems and I was collecting them. But still, there were a lot of poems I left out of the manuscript. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I guess um, I thought that you know once the poems are out. I want to be proud of every book, every poem that is there in the book. Right. So uh, that is the reason I took time. Right. So Avi, there is another aspect to your writing. You also are a translator from Malayalam to English. Mm. Uh, so can you tell me a little bit about because you grew up outside Kerala, you grew up in Madras, and uh, what yes. is it that kind of what is your relationship with uh, the language of the Malayalam language? And what drew you to translation? And when you take on, because obviously you also have your own work, your own uh, creative work to attend to, what is it which um, motivates you to take on a particular translation? How do you choose? So, um, yes, I grew up in Madras, uh, born and raised there. So I never studied Malayalam. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I always spoke it very well. Mm-hmm. And over the years, I kind of uh, learned, I kind of taught myself to read the language, uh, but I can't write it. The reason I turned to translation was I wanted to understand this particular language better. It is a language of my family, it's the language of my roots, mm-hmm. the language of my so-called culture. But I never really considered it my mother tongue, so to speak, because, you know, uh, my language of expression is... English, my language of dream, my language of anger, my language of rage, desire, dream, hope, everything is English. So, uh, you know, I wanted to kind of negotiate uh, the reality of my roots and, and see if I could discover more through Malayalam. And that is the reason I thought I should maybe understand this process. And the first step I took into that field was through my MPhil thesis. Mm-hmm. I did my MPhil from Madraskasun College, and my MPhil thesis was on the problems of translation in three novels of M.T. Vasudevan Myers. Oh, okay. So that was uh, a very structured way I stepped into that uh, whole area. So translation was starting to become uh, a huge... Uh, uh, you know, um, area of interest for scholars, for translators, for publishing houses. This was in the uh, mid-90s. And uh, Katha used to bring out these wonderful books. So uh, that is how I started getting interested in translation. And then later, I thought, why don't I give it a hand? And I uh, I came to... Uh, I came to know Paul Zakaria, who, as you know, is one of the foremost um, contemporary writers in in Kerala. He's, his works are well known all over the world through translation. And he lives in Trivandrum too. Mm. So I thought, why don't I give it a shot? And I translated a short story of his. Mm. And he was happy with it too. And that got published. And then over the years, I started translating more and more of his stories. Uh, because, you know, we have a certain friendship, a certain understanding of each other's uh, style. Uh, and that is how that happened. I haven't uh, really branched out into translating more uh, of other writers, but uh, 
it's been mostly working with Paul Zakaria, but I've also translated Anita Tampi, who is another well-known Malayalam poet. Mm-hmm. Um, I translated her poems for uh, poetry at Sangam. And uh, yeah, so this is the reason I wanted to understand the language better. I, I thought I would discover it through, through translation. That is how that happened. And finally, what are you working on at this moment? Well, I'm working on my next novel. And uh, it's taking its time. (laughs) And uh, it's a very slow process. I've written a chapter or two, but uh, I'm going to be rewriting it very soon because I'm not very happy with the way it's turning out. So um, it, there's a lot of revision required, so I'm sure I'm going to be starting uh, all over again. But it's okay, I want to write, some, uh, write something that I'll be proud of, you know. And uh, yeah, so that's the next novel. Okay, so we look forward to that. And thank you so much for joining us uh, for our podcast. And we wish you all the very best. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nandini. Really appreciate it. And I'm really glad you're doing this because we need more forums. We need more uh, readers. We need more listeners for literature. And uh, without books, we are all dead. Thank you.